when we're talking about really breaking down the barriers of what stops us from having epic love with ourselves and with the people that we care about the most and with the things that matter to us the most as well. When I talk about relational alchemy and I talk about enhancing the relationship to the things that matter most to us. Welcome to the Dr. Espen podcast, where we explore the latest in quantum science, personal development, consciousness and spirituality, health, as well as business and money mastery. Join me as I interview experts from all over the world, sharing the most incredible stories of transformation. This is where we provide you with the exact tools and coaching activities you need to expand your consciousness in each of the eight areas of your life. For more info on our events, programs, coaching, etc., go to drespen.com for the full quantum experience. Greetings, everybody. Dr. Espen here. Welcome back to the Dr. Espen podcast. Today, I am joined by Stefano Sefandos. This is going to be a really exciting interview going deep into the essence of healing, transformation. We're going to talk breath work, all sorts of cool stuff. So before we jump in, let me just do a quick intro. This is exciting for me. I've been waiting to talk to Stefanos for a while. Uh, Stefanos has been blessed to work with thousands of people from all over the world. Uh, we're talking elite, special forces, soldiers, Olympic gold medalists, high-performing CEOs, world champion fighters, couples, and individuals that want to deepen their relationships, their meaning, their healing. Studying Stefanos for a while, personally, what I've seen is a lot of authenticity in the heart-centered approach to teach, to be able to help people go back in time, find the healing, sit with the wound and heal it, which I'm sure we'll go uh, into today and discuss. He has a profound access to the human condition, which I really, really love. And from that space, he's been able to help a lot of people. His mission is to be a voice for the voiceless and to assist individuals in actualizing the fullness of their potential. So I want to say a special welcome and good evening, Stefanos. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Thank you for the kind introduction. It's a privilege and a pleasure. So let's get straight into it. Obviously, you're Australian. We can have a bit of an accent, but there's more to the story than that. Tell us, what's the background of Stefanos and where you grew up and where you're from and, and so on? Yeah, I grew up in Australia, but the first year, a few years of my life, I largely grew up in Greece. My father's Greek, my mother's Italian, and my father wanted to, you know, he had left Greece when he was uh, 21 or 22, and he came directly to Australia on a, on a boat, as my, as my mother did as well, when she was about seven or eight years old. And the story there is, it's just interesting, I, I find it interesting because it's my cultural heritage, but my familial heritage as well is... My grandma, maternal grandfather, came over first for five years and, and worked and saved up enough money to buy a, buy a home. And then, you know, five years later, sent his wife, which is my grandmother, and my mother over. And then many, many years later, my mother and father met in Australia. But, you know, back in those days, you know, post-World War II, it was, you know, so much of the world was rebuilding itself. And Australia was offering, you know, compensation for people of Europe to come and 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 be and, and build up Australia, right? Because it was just no work in, in in Europe, and so that's why my father came over. That's that's why my grandfather came over, and so you know, being many years in Australia, my dad really missed his family, wanted to go back, and so you know, for me, it was a beautiful experience, but also one that was very heart wrenching because what I had discovered was that I had family, my grandparents in Australia, and I had family in Greece, and. I loved both very dearly and I felt very torn. And then we went back to Australia 
and I miss my family in Greece. And so it was difficult. I had cousins and I, I really felt like I could relate to someone. My family life, my immediate family life was a little difficult growing up and maybe a little is, a, is an understatement, but it was very challenging growing up. Mm-hmm. And so having that refuge there, my cousins and my uncles and my aunties and that extended family, I, I felt safer. I felt very unsafe coming back to Australia and the only refuge I had were my grandparents, which was beautiful. And, and you know, I love them deeply and they passed on now physically. But I just felt very alone growing up because I felt very poor culturally and I didn't, you know, I couldn't speak English when I first when I came back to Australia. And so that was very difficult in and of itself as well, Greek being my first language. And so just, you know, those struggles that many of us go through and many other challenges that I that I faced growing up as and not just challenges, but also celebrations, you know, wins that I've had, so to speak, you know, things that I've accomplished and experienced that have, have brought my nervous system reprieve and pleasure and opportunity have also shaped who I've become. And, you know, now I live in the US and it's interesting now, I was thinking about this the other day, I had a, a bit of a moment where, you know, I, I live in the US, US feels like home and the, the, the thing is that Australia feels like home and Greece feels like home and I feel very privileged and blessed to actually have that, that deep visceral sense of this is home and when I'm not in one of those places, there's a longing and there's, a, there's an emptiness, a void in me. And that hurts. And I have family in Australia. I have very good friends in Australia. My parents live in Greece and my family is in Greece. And so I feel very scattered in that sense. But, you know, it's the life that we choose as well. I'm responsible for the choices that I make too. I love it. And what a beautiful way to speak to family across the world. You know, I know an old quote by Dr. Martini says, the world is my home and each country is just another room in the house. Yeah, I didn't even say that line, actually. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Hey, listen, I've been studying some of your work, and I love your work when it comes to men's and women's healing, particularly within the masculine and feminine, but you refer to as the, the, the preparation for divine partnership. Can you please tell us a little bit about the love coaching and the relationship work that you do? Because I think that's going to really, really resonate with our audience now. Yeah. So there are a number of programs I have that are evergreen programs that you can just learn at your own pace that are are very specific to certain elements of relating or what I call conscious relating and communicating. And you you can find all those on our website. And there are other programs that we, my wife and I teach live, like our inner child healing course, level one and level two. That's also available in the learn at your own pace program. And there's Be the Queen, which is really for, for women that are looking to heal so much of their past and they're looking for deeper love, more connected love, more alignment in their relationships and in their intimacy and their sexuality in, in the, the men that they're with, that they're dating, that they're spending or wanting to spend their lives with. And that's a really, really powerful program for supporting individuals on that journey. And there's a deep curriculum that, that we take these ladies through and somatic work, a super powerful three-month online live immersive with a graduation. And they're also working in a one-on-one capacity with people. And, and I work with couples as well. And when we're talking about really breaking down the barriers of what stops us from having epic love with ourselves and with the people that we care about the most and with the things that matter to us the most as well. You know, like, so when I talk about relational alchemy and I talk about enhancing the relationship to the things that matter most to us, that that means our purpose, our vision, our dreams, our past, our traumas, our shadows, the people in our, life, in our lives that really mean something to us, our parents, our siblings, our family of origin, 
our closest friends, our lovers, past, present, future. It's really about the relationship to self. How do we enhance that? How do we create clarity and cohesion and this, this conduit of purity that can just flow through us? And whilst some of that may sound utopian, the reality is when we dig a little deeper into ourselves, that we learn to embrace all of ourselves, as Dr. John D. Martini says, you know, not polarize ourselves essentially and polarize the lives that we're living. And for me, that is that deeper, is, is going to the places that most of us avoid going. You know, some of the greatest minds have spoken to this, Carl Jung being one of them, where that, that collective unconscious shadow or the shadow archetype of self or the shadow aspects of self, or the pain that we harbor, the fears, the trapped trauma within us, that still circulates through us. That still has an impact on the way that we love, the way that we give and receive love, the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see others, the way that we choose to embrace the world. That there, when we delve into our shadows and choose to complete the cycle of pain that surrounds that, we liberate ourselves. We create spaciousness in our bodies. We have the ability to be and feel connection in perpetual motion. We are uninhibited in relationship. We say what we mean. We mean what we say. We do what we say we're going to do. We ask questions. We get curious. We're less triggered. We argue less. We're more open. We're more vulnerable. We're more explorative. We're more curious about the other person and about ourselves. There are so many benefits that come from exploring our pain that has been repressed and suppressed. And I'm not talking about reliving the same shit over and over again. I'm talking about dealing with it once and for all and giving ourselves the thing that we needed most in that moment of trauma or pain that we just could not get in that moment. That, to me, is the work that I do in the world. I help people on that journey and I help create safe spaces because safety is the healing for them to explore themselves in really meaningful ways. Beautiful. Maybe if you're listening, go back and listen to that again. What I love about when we have epic guests on the show is that when they break down wisdom that succinctly, we have the opportunity to go back and listen to it again and actually write it out and reflect upon our lives and look at our current journeys, look at our wounds and see where perhaps in our relationships we are not showing up as the best self. I love this. I think there's a distinction here between talking about one, you know, call the shadow work and actually dealing with what I refer to as issues in the tissues, actually getting to the trauma, healing the trauma and coming back to coherence, which is different to repeating the pattern unconsciously over and over again in your relationships and actually, you know, having that uh, as a detrimental aspect of the relationship. This reminds me of a quote of yours, bro. There's a quote I found. It goes like this. You wrote, you have to go to the core of your traumatic wounding or pain that you've suppressed to start to undo everything that's been built upon that. Is that the same thing that you're talking about in, in what you shared before? Yes, very, very much so. Cool. So we're talking an aspect of actually allowing each individual, either in couples or personally, to go through that wounding and sit with it. What are some of the processes that you'd work? I mean, people will be watching this and, and specifically at the end of the presentation today, Stephanus is going to tell us where we can go to get more information if we need it in terms of learning about you know his programs. But also, he offers a very specific ladies' breathwork, a special feminine breathwork session that he runs once per month. So stay tuned until the end. 
so you don't miss out on that one. I just wanted to check when you when you do these these techniques, what kind of modalities do you use, and what do you find has been some of the most successful tools? Someone's listening to this, they're resonating with this, they want more conscious, coherent relationships, and now they're thinking, okay, well, how does it work? Yeah. So I pull for a number of different modalities. I'm I'm skilled and educated and trained in various modalities like NLP, Psyche, hypnosis, somatic work, I'm trauma-informed, behavioral science, developmental psychology, inner child work, very specific facilitation techniques, leadership training, uh, breath work, like the, the list sort of goes on and on, right? But So I pull from different modalities when I'm working with someone. But if I was to sort of dissect in very simple what I have found has been the most effective for me personally in breaking down myself or observing myself and being with myself and, you know, moving through and releasing and expressing and exploring all those good things is it's a combination of creating a very safe space for that person's nervous system to feel regulated enough to explore these very uncomfortable places within one's psyche and within one's body. Right, and the, the very dense emotions that can come sometimes come up with from that anger, rage, deep sadness, deep grief, deep pain, fear, sense of loss. Because if we don't feel regulated in our nervous system, i.e., parasympathetic state, in, in a parasympathetic state, we're in a highly activated sympathetic state. We won't be able to explore these places. So, creating safety through, you know, relational neuroscience, the 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 ability for me to regulate my own nervous system, to then ask very specific questions, to get curious, to meet that person with non-judgment, with compassion, with empathy and understanding, helps that nervous system regulate, helps them then explore, say, oh, it's this person's not judging me. There is a devoid nature of shame then that doesn't act as a blocker and a restriction into the exploration of these very difficult aspects of self. And then from that place, a few more questions maybe, but really just exploration. And then when we are exploring cognitively and emotionally, we ask the body, and there's a very specific ways that I do this, and I use breath, sound, and, and movement as, a, as three pillar modalities to assist in the exploration and then expression and release of this is let's get into the body. If the body wanted to animate this right now, what would that look like? Because that's often where the trapped trauma resides. It's in our bodies. Like you said, the issues are in the tissues. And so moving that through the tissues, whether it's, you know, it really depends on the thing that that person is moving through, the movement will, the animation, the physical animation of that internalized thing will be reflected as that. And so that can be running on the spot, that could be banging pillows, that could be screaming, that could be crying, that could be clenching one's fist, that could be shaking, that could be trembling, that could be screaming, and it could be saying certain things that are very specific to someone else. So there's a lot of parts work, inner child work, and developmental work that takes place where we're regressing that individual, they're naturally regressing, but we're giving them an opportunity to speak from that level of psychology, maybe as a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old. There are various few ways to do this, of course, and there has to be a lot of trust that's built up in the container. The container has to be closed and safe and so forth, energetically, psychically, spiritually, and then that deeper work can begin. And then as we come through that and they realize they're still intact and they're still alive, and they feel a little lighter and a little different that they've expressed that. It gives them a little more confidence that then maybe I can express a little more and begin to really be done with this pattern that is governing my life, these habits that are unconscious to you, but they impact 
every single thing that I do in the world, every interaction that I have, that, my friend, is powerful. And that, to me, is essentially the work. It really starts with safety is the healing. That's it. Yeah. And I think even watching our viewers, listeners, listening, watching to this, go back and again, listen to this. And if you're interested in either becoming a coach, you're already a coach or a facilitator, what Stefanos is, is speaking to here is masterful facilitation. It's how to set the frame and create the space for a client, student, patient to be able to fully drop that exterior sympathetic protection so you can allow that sacred and yet as I'll get from you, Stefanos, a scientifically proven space to be able to go and get that done. A lot of somatic work. I love that. And I think really that's what's coming now. I mean, we could teach and teach and teach, and it's good for the intellect, but really to get into the issues of the subconscious mind and the body, we have to be able to to elicit that kind of somatic type work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, storytelling and understanding our circumstances it gives us access to a part of us that helps us feel a little safe because when we know, when we quote unquote know or believe to understand, we feel a little less apprehensive because there's less unknown, so therefore there's less danger, right? At least that's the perception of that. Mm-hmm. So up to a certain extent, that storytelling has been proven to really support us in moving through that issue, especially if we can keep telling that story and feel safe in our bodies. Right. But there are, again, the somatic release is so important when it comes to that. You're talking about, you know, facilitation and priming an individual. I mean, I have a, a coaching institute as well with my wife and another dear couple of friends of ours, Elements and Coaching Institute, where we teach coaches how to be trauma informed. And we teach coaches the importance of somatic work mm-hmm. and what that can do to you, not only as a coach to a client, as a practitioner or a therapist or however you identify, whatever your qualifications are, but importantly, as a friend, as a partner, as a lover, that where you can take these tools and actually bring them into your most intimate relationships so that you don't have true dysregulated people just doing this and raising dysregulation and not really going anywhere and only feeding old patterns of the past. Love it. Okay, this reminds me of some some of the research that I did when I studied some of your work. And I remember a story that Aubrey Marcus told when he and I believe his wife participated in you and Christine's, Christine Stefano's wife. You were running a workshop and you and your wife were facilitating this workshop. And I remember Aubrey was talking about there was, and please correct me if I'm wrong, paraphrasing here, but there was a basically the, the men and women were together in the same somatic type experience and a breakthrough healing type seminar. And the men would kneel at the feet of the women in awe and reverence for the divine feminine. And he experienced then, you know, there was this a time lag where in the beginning it was like, what's going on here? This is powerful, but he couldn't quite assimilate what was happening energetically until one woman and then another woman, I'm I'm truth bumping as I'm speaking now, and woman after woman just started breaking down in tears and the men as well in in this experience of kneeling in reverence for for the feminine. Can you tell us a little bit about this story? Because I was really quite Again, like my nervous system is dialed in. I'm, I'm sensing your energy signature. I'm sensing love and compassion and wisdom. And, you know, I'm truth bumping as I'm telling the story. So it's meaningful to me as well. My heart was full 
when I felt into that experience that was shared by Aubrey, because of the work that you guys are doing and what's out there in the world and what's possible. Can you tell us a little bit about that situation or the experience and how that works? Because that was, for me, a really beautiful thing to be able to to see that people are doing stuff like this, basically. Yeah, Aubrey's a friend of ours. We were at his, his event and he brought us in as guest speakers and we're, we're at Fit for Service and we're coming in again this March in, in like two or three weeks, actually, to, to run that process with some tweaks. We evolve it, you know, constantly, but essentially it's called a sacred union process. And it's a process that Christine and I have put together over the years that is a beautiful experience for breaking down these barriers that we perceive to have as men and women and to also help us tap into that masculine, feminine energetic that exists and resides within every single one of us as humans. And to tap into those energetics and to really feel the other person. And so we set the container up from the beginning in a way that allows us to be seen, everyone to be seen, and everyone to see each other and to see self in the other. And in that moment of almost, you know, collapsing duality, there is a deep recognition and a deep emotion that moves through us when we realize that that person or our projection of that person or our projections of ourselves onto that person is the exact same thing. And the purpose of the process has multiple purposes, but one of them is to come into self-love, is to diffuse the body and the being of shame so that we can be these spacious, expansive people that are relating from that place, not from a place of constriction, restriction, fear, destitute, and protection, hyper-protection, which we break down or we do our best to break down the control and defensiveness and attack that's there. And, and look, rightly so for so many. So many have experienced so much trauma and abuse in their lives. Some have experienced abuse from the representation of the feminine, the majority representation of the feminine, the majority representation of the masculine. So there's a collective male and or masculine wound there. How do we break that down in a way where people feel safe enough to express their pain and express where they've been hindered in life? And that's that's really what we aim to do with this process. It's a, it's a very deep, bonding, visceral, transcending process. Transcending of the old, transcending of the garbage that's stuck in our nervous systems and in our minds. That's awesome. That is so awesome. I just a quick question off the cuff. If you look at the global macro state of what's happening in the world right now, and let's not talk, you know, pointing fingers, anything like that. We play at a different level, right? What would you say? And this is, I'm interested in this. If you look at it from an energetic perspective, what, what do you think is happening in the world right now? What is before us? What opportunities are there for us to go through the healing, maybe not just individually, but collectively and so on? Yeah. I think the, the, the current state of collective consciousness is at a place where we can't outgrow our old ways of being without hitting rock bottom. So what I'm seeing in the world is this pendulum swinging in, in extremes. And at some point, and I don't know when that point's going to be, it's really up to us as a collective, the pendulum will stop swinging in extreme and it will start finding the middle path of equilibrium or less volatility, less intensity. Uh-huh. 
one of the issues is that we're so accustomed, generally speaking, and from a collective perspective and as individuals, so accustomed to the intensity and the volatility that anything outside of that becomes a threat. And so we will do our best and unconsciously, quote unquote, sabotage our ability to find that middle path and find ourselves because we're so addicted to the volatility because it's safe because it's familiar. Beautiful. And so I, I do see us changing. I do see us shifting. I see massive opportunities with the application of certain technologies to be used in more ethical, transparent ways. Mm-hmm. AI is one of them. Blockchain tech is another. I see an opportunity in the way that we're connecting to connect to ancient wisdom in deeper, more meaningful ways, right? indigenous culture in more meaningful ways, because I think we've lost that. At the root of our humanity, we've lost that connection to earth and that connection to the collective. And as a result of that, we've lost ourselves. And one of, one of my other businesses is at the forefront of bringing that back to humanity and really supporting, because I believe that people like yourself, entrepreneurs in the world that value impact and income. And I say that very specifically. The income is for from the place of abundance and wealth generation for those that are close to us and for those that we want to support in the world. That's the impact piece. They have a mission. They, they want to support others. They want to give their gifts to others. They want to help. And so that type of person, I think, is a really important person in our world today. Because they have drive, they have inspiration. A lot of them that come from a lot of pain themselves. And now they're looking at the world and saying, I want to transmute my own pain. I want to turn it into, into something else. I want to use it as fuel for fire to give back and to give to myself and take fucking ownership of that. And that it's okay to give to self. And there's a yearning to give to others as well. But what's happening is what we're seeing is these individuals, I believe, that 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 are that are at the precipice of making an impact on this on this planet is that they're also able or learning to receive. That was a big thing for me, man. That was a that was a very big issue in my life is learning to receive, and it was directly connected to my self worth. I had mm-hmm. low self, and my sudden was yeah <laughs> yeah my self worth was low because I had so much unresolved trauma. I, I was physically beaten as a child. I was in a volatile circumstance. I interpreted that. I made that mean because as, as an infant, we do, we're one with the world. I made that mean that's me. I'm responsible for that. It's my fault. I carried that belief, my nervous system, and my psychology throughout so much of my life. It's not much. It's unconscious, right? And people have this, and they don't know that it's there. And and then we play out in our reality this "I'm not good enough" bullshit feeling that creates, manifests the things that we don't want. I, I love this. I think this is really important. Back to you. I just wanted to jump in on that. Yeah, and that's, I think, most of us when I look at, because yes, we're different as humans, but we're also very similar. I think it would be very useful for us to celebrate our differences and celebrate and take ownership of our similarities. And so when I look at that, I look at people that carry low self-worth, the greater the, the pain we experience in life, the greater the pleasure we require to mitigate that pain. And so we'll compensate for that low self-worth in ways that we're not even familiar with. Yeah, it's a pendulum swinging. That's the volatility again. Yeah. That's the extreme ego that comes in. That's the need to be acknowledged and perform and, and, perform and be externally validated. And we'll do anything to get that because it gives, gives us this dopamine. And this is the interaction between the underlying psychology and our physiology. 
and it feeds upon itself. And and so when when we look at low self worth, we look at a need to control. We we look at a need to be right. We look at insecurity. We look at how we we then compensate for that. We can sometimes be hyper selfish. I have been that person because I just wanted to feel good in my body, but I wasn't addressing the core issues because a I didn't know they existed, and b I didn't want to go there. Mm-hmm. And most of us will be in one or, or both of those buckets. We don't know they exist. We don't want to go there. We don't know how to go there. And so, again, the work that I do in the world, everything I create comes from that place of how can I support people in feeling safe in their exploration so they can be in their genius, they can be in their power, they can be in their love, they can be in their intimacy, they can be in their gifts. Love it. You know, you look at the Orkin scale of consciousness and you'll see that that feeling of shame was the lowest emotion, the lowest frequency emotion that they measured over, you know, say 30 years of research. So this is very, very pertinent right now. And just speaking for myself as well, I had the same journey. You know, I was born and raised in Norway and Europe and then came to Australia at 25, started, you know, continued my studies and then started a business and all of how hard I worked for, you know, a good decade in the essence of it came from drive and passion, yes, on the outside, but a lot of it on the inside was from a feeling of I'm not actually feeling good enough or worthy or successful enough, which comes from a place of, you know, lack of self-love. And so that had this savior complex and it was this drive and this push to, you know, if I can just help more people, then I feel better about myself. And honestly, it took me, you know, 10 multidisciplinary health clinics and a lot of work to be able and helped a lot of people, don't get me wrong, but the essence of it came from, uh, pardon me, the feeling of not being good enough, so much of it. So really, this is very, very, very important content that we're discussing here right now. These human principles of knowing that we're divine beings, knowing, and, and not just intellectually knowing, but embodying through the the work that we've done, the lives that we live, the way we conduct ourselves, that we are good enough. And I think this is fundamental because, again, we talked to, you know briefly about you know the, the ages when we're young and imprint periods, et cetera, when the, the, the blueprint, the program is made. And then we fire and wire automatically these patterns that we don't like. I mean, the, the biggest one of all is that I'm not good enough. I won't, you know, I'm not worthy. Therefore, I won't be loved. I love how you took that out of a question about collective consciousness, because I think in essence, if we are to expand collectively, we have to start by looking within. And this is in essence, the work that you're doing, right? Uh, What are your thoughts now when you're looking at the world that is shifting and changing? You're talking about the pendulum swing, okay? And what I got from that, correct me if you want to add to it or, or change it, is that there is this, the two ends of the spectrum, right? And so, we, we run emotionally from one polarity to the other to feel something. And so you had mentioned ancient wisdom. So many of the ancient ones, particularly in the East, were talking about finding this equilibrated state in which you could find bliss, that the, the feeling good or the feeling uh, something that you're not appreciating. And it's not necessarily any better or worse, but this beautiful state of presence. When you go through your work and you see this, what are some of the outcomes that you experience. Obviously, you had it in your life with finding self-love and appreciation and these other things. And I love the humble nature in which that can be taught because it's not an egoic thing. It's a coming home, remembering who we are thing. Uh, What are some of the things that you see during your work and transformations with the people that take place when people have these healings or or self-actualizations that you speak of? Greatest certainty, 
greater levels of decisiveness, clarity in mind and heart, making choices that are based on the future well-being of self as opposed to the conditioned past and the habitual nature of just doing something because it's familiar. There's a greater attention paid to all aspects of self. So for example, someone will pause more often and look at the areas of life that matter most, relationships, vocation, business, health and wellness, family, friendships. They'll be more discerning as a result of creating clarity in their bodies and healing the unresolved trauma within self. They will be more discerning with who they choose to spend their time with. Mm -hmm. They'll say no more often when they want. Patterns of people pleasing, low self worth, aggression, hyper defensiveness, control. You, you know, you name it, they start to drop and diminish. Right. Friend circles that people spend time with, they start to drop off because, you know, when, when people experience the unknown, they, they, they get scared because it's so unfamiliar. And so if they see you choosing not to drink alcohol anymore, Australia has a big, the drinking culture. If you, if you, if you, I mean, so many other countries as well. What about in Australia? Gold Coast. Okay, cool. So the epicenter of fucking boganism, right? So <laughs> uh, there is a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, a bit is an understatement. But you know, like, so <laughs> I've become a little critical of Australia since I left, since I have a different purview now. But I love Australia. I love the country. I love. I love the land. I'm very connected to the land and I have beautiful people there as well. I'm um, very close to me. I'm being a little facetious. But, you know, our, our friend circle starts to change because, as an example, you know, when, hey, I'm not drinking anymore because I want to look after my health and, and it affects my mind. It, people can become easily offended, not because, and very judgmental, not because they actually care that you're doing that, because they feel and think that now, if you don't want to do that, then what are the other similarities that you can bond over? And if you're if we're going to yeah. bond, then you're going to be in the out group, and then I'm in the out group, and now we're not in the in group, and that just messes with people's minds. And so there's a lot of changes that come when we start to do that healing work, and that's one of the reasons, or well, all of those reasons there are many reasons why people won't choose to address the discomfort that resides within their bodies and the discomfort that resides within their lives. Because of all the change that happens, that can be very, very scary. And I get it. I avoided it for a very long time. And all those things that I've just mentioned were, were experiences that I personally had as well. And I see this pattern in many other people. You know, you have a, a greater thirst for knowledge and awareness and wisdom. You say yes more. You take a more healthy risk. Or you look after your body more. You, you're more attentive to people. You listen better. Because you also want to be heard because you understand the value of that. People start to value personal growth better when they start to engage and deepen their healing journey. They value learning and growing with people that also value those things. They respect and have a deeper connection with nature. As a result of that, their health and well-being naturally increases as well. Their relationship to cruxes and addictions that they had in their lives begins to shift. You know, whether it's sex, pornography, food, television, thirst for excessive success to be defined by that, status-seeking, it all starts to shift. Spot on. I love that. And you know, what we've seen in a lot of our work is that when we heal the issues in the tissues, you know, the fear, guilt, shame, grief, sadness, anger, all the things that you spoke of, the symptoms of that lack of coherence within, we see that when the emotions heal, aka when we feel better in ourselves, with ourselves, by ourselves, and so on, 
then of course the addictions start to go away because the addictions are not there because you know the alcohol is good for us. By the way, I studied this. By the way, I love that you mentioned that you stopped drinking alcohol. I just last month I just went off it for eight and a half months. Uh, when I studied this, alcohol means to extract the essence of. You know, these are spirits, so it's like a spirit that extracts the essence of you. <laughs> Probably not something to have a lot of, guys. Like, just take a look in the mirror for a moment, you know. Just as an FYI, I'm kind of, you know, excited about sharing that for a moment. But I think this emotion and how we feel, the emotion, the quality of our life is in direct proportion to the actions that we take. So often when we see, oh, you know, the pornography, the, you know, the things that we have in our life and we judge, what are we left with? Guilt and shame, 30 and 20 on the organ scale. And so now that's more toxic than the alcohol. And because you had it, now you guilt yourself. And so now you feel like you need to have another glass and it's just a perpetuating cycle. Underneath the surface is the the wound, the emotion that Stefanos is speaking of. So so my question is, you know, I, I sometimes get a bit worried here. I just want to kind of send it out to the people watching, feeling, tune, attuning to this message, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to just sit and wait? Or are you going to say yes to yourself now and lean into this kind of work to be able to experience and explore the divine nature of, of the healing and the potential that's possible? I love this. I think this is really important. Right now, listening, great. Feeling, great. Aligning, great. What's the action? What do we do now to be to be the shining light in the world moving forward? Because I think we're in for quite a quite an interesting journey ahead. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I believe we are on an interesting journey and an interesting path to humanity. And we've got choices at every major pivot point in, in life and in time and through our cultural and social history, we have choices. And you know, what I see is a rise of transparency in the way that we do business and the way that we interact through technologies, through the desire and the yearning from individuals and groups of people to have greater transparency and greater safety in relating, whether it's with relationship to our government, to our leaders, to our corporations, to each other, to our communities, to our families. And as a result of that, I'm also seeing a rise in deceit. I'm seeing a rise in mixed messaging from media, from governing institutions, whether it be corporate or public. And so I look at that and I go, oh, cool. If that's happening, then this desire for greater transparency is growing. So it's going to be met with resistance. It's going to be met with force. How we, how, how, how we now meet that. And it's not an us versus them thing, but how we collectively meet that as a whole is really going to matter for where we go. I don't know where we're going, man. I mean, we could end up in a, in a, in a dystopic situation or we can end up in a very liberated situation. I don't know. And I know, though, that I'm going to continue to choose the path that moves us away from dystopia and moves us towards freedom and expansion because that's, that's what I value. So that's all I can do. And, and, and not force that onto others, but be a stand for what I believe in and, and be also a stand for injustice and deal with that in the appropriate ways according to the situation that comes through. Lovely. And this is all we can do right now is to, to take that stand, to make that stand. And, you know, the old saying goes, if you have to ask someone where the, where the world is going, then you're not a leader. So I think it's up to each and every single one of us to discern, maybe even decide right now, what are you, you going to stand for? What is your truth? 
What are your non-negotiables, your boundaries? As we rise in sovereignty, as you mentioned before, we learn to love ourselves again. And, and there's always more love, I believe. And then we come back to the point of sometimes saying no and, and under, understanding that we're not supposed to be subordinated to outer influences as much as we do. I think it's really important because self-respect is also the the outcome or, or a, a part that is aligned with this essence of self-love. Great answer. I mean, why talk about, hey, what's going to happen out there when it's all an in here type of journey as well? We can take that responsibility. We can make that decision today. Beautifully said. I've got a last question for you, bro. You ready for this one? Ready. Let's do it. Okay, it goes like this. I want you now to imagine that you're on the world stage. All right. Every living soul, every being is there and they're all just waiting in silence, in presence and in awe and excitement and expectation and just listening to your message. Imagine the whole world is listening. What is your message to the world from that world stage right now? What is your message? All things being equal, do the thing that you had been avoiding all your life. Have the difficult conversation. Address your past pain. Learn to apologize. Learn to accept the apology. Get back into your body. Do the thing that you've been avoiding all your life. Being healthy. Your relationship with your addictions and your convulsions. Look at them. Look into the mirror. That, just that. Look in the mirror. What do you see? Can you meet it with compassion? Can you meet that thing that you see, that person that you see, the layers of that being that you see with empathy, love, with trust, with curiosity? And will you challenge the parts of you that are unhealthy, that are not serving you anymore? But can you do that from a compassionate place? Are you willing to go to those places? Willingness plays a massive role in our ability to grow out of what no longer serves us and what is hindering us. And as a result of hindering us, our individual selves is, in the, is impacting and influencing negatively the collective as well. Beautiful. Thank you. Again, I love that analogy of the mirror. Okay, bro, where do people go to learn more about your work? Tell us a little bit about, just quickly, you've got a new book, Tuned In and Turned On. I don't know if it's out in Australia yet. We haven't found it. We've been looking. So tell us a little bit about the book. And also, because we want to get this out to the people. We've got a big database. We've got a big community. We want to share this. And very similar work type of work that we do, which is amazing. They love it. And so tell us about your new book coming out. And I would love to hear a little bit also about this, this breath work that's coming up for the feminine specifically. I think that'll be really, you know, what a lot of our big target market is and database is, is feminine. And also just in general, where do people go to find out more about you? Sure. Thanks, man. So stephanosafandos.com, you'll find all the information pertaining to all services and products and programs and all the things that I'm up to there. Add stephanosafandos for most of my social media. Unless you're on Twitter and you're a big Twitter head, then add stephanosafandos because they don't give me as many characters. I'm aiming with the characters. Breathwork for the Feminine is a beautiful event for women only. Every month, my wife and I run this. It's live in Austin, Texas, and it's live streamed and recorded. So we have hundreds of women from around the world, and that's growing every month. And join us. It's a really beautiful practice. And it's a three-hour somatic immersive. And then once or twice a year, we actually do a co-ed experience, which is really beautiful. We bring men as well. It's a super powerful paradigm shift there with that. So that's the breathwork for the feminine. And yeah, and again, any anything else you want to know about me, you can find that on my website. 
Thank you for taking the time. I know your time is very valuable. Our audience is going to absolutely love this today. So thanks once again for being here, bro. Thanks for being the light and showing us that we also have that light within us. We really appreciate your time, man. Thank you, my friend. Until next time. Once again, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more about how to walk the quantum path into life mastery, business mastery, uh, if you want to learn more about our live events or coaching or anything that we offer, go to www.drespen.com. That's D-R-E-S-P-E-N.com or email info at drespen.com. And let's find out how we can help you take your life, your business and your mission to a whole nother level. We'll see you next time.